0: Liz Wessel here with the Mission Moment of the Week and I'm so happy to be able to let you know we have two very esteemed guests with us today. The first is...
1: Hello, this is Karen Summers and I'm the Chief Mission Officer for Providence Home and Community Care.
2: And? I'm Roseanne Ponzetti, I'm the Mission Officer for the Oregon Region Home and Community Care.
0: And I wanted to spend some time with our guests today reflecting upon the current uh, situation and all that we have been going through as a nation, the world with COVID, and the recent events with the death of George Floyd. And our mission really calls us to action, and so many of our caregivers have responded with heroic acts of compassion and service over these past several months. And we've seen our communities responding to the changing dynamics of COVID. As we move from phase one into phase two, many people are realizing that living with this disease impacts all of our daily life. And it's going to be more of a marathon than a sprint. And regardless, our mission has persisted and continues to inform our response. We have trained for this. We have amazingly skilled caregivers, and our character is built upon the legacy of our sisters. And just as they responded to the call to service in their time, this is our time. The tradition that informs our work calls us to respond to the needs of our community with commitment, compassion, and service to those who are most vulnerable. And in our home and community care division, we have amazing stories of caregivers who have been heroic despite the challenges that we have faced. Despite the nationwide shortage of PPE and cleaning supplies, our leaders have stepped forward and found creative solutions and our caregivers have made the most of them. So recognizing that this is a marathon may help us provide a framework for supporting caregivers and we want to be there for you. And just like in a marathon, we know we have to pace ourselves, take breaks, cheer each other on and provide appropriate gear and replenish our energy along the way. And I thought I would begin with this poem. It's called A Future Not Our Own and then maybe just share a few thoughts how this perhaps resonates with all of you today. It helps now and then to step back and take a long view. The kingdom is not beyond our efforts. It is even beyond our vision. We accomplish in our own lifetime only a fraction of the magnificent enterprise that is God's work. Nothing we do is complete, which is another way of saying that the kingdom always lies beyond us. No statement says all that could be said. No prayer fully expresses our faith. No confession brings perfection. No pastoral visit brings wholeness. No program accomplishes the mission. No set of goals and objectives includes everything. That is what we are about. We plant a seed that will one day grow. We water seeds already planted, knowing they hold promise for the future. We lay foundations that will need further development. We provide yeast that produces effects far beyond our capabilities. We cannot do everything, and there is a sense of liberation in realizing that. This enables us to do something and do it very well. It may be incomplete, but it is a beginning, a step along the way, an opportunity for the Lord's grace to enter and do the rest. We may never see the end results, but that is the difference between the master builder and the worker. We are workers and not master builders, ministers, not messiahs. We are prophets of a future, not our own. And I'm just wondering, uh, Karen and Roseanne, um, what maybe sparks something for you in this poem and all that we're going through or brushes against your heart? Any thoughts?
1: So to reflect on the response of our caregivers to the crises that are occurring, not only with the virus, but also the recent situation with the murder of a black man, George Floyd, I was reminded, as I often do, uh, reflecting on our heritage from which our mission is is grounded. And I think about the the Providence mission uh, that was rooted in the gospel and that was put into action by the Sisters of Providence and that this Providence mission is firmly rooted in charitable work, which started uh, about 175 years ago in Montreal, Canada. At the time, Emily Gamlin, there was a young girl by the name of Emily Gamlin, um, she was a young widow living in Montreal in the 1840s, and she dedicated herself to the city's many poor, sick, orphaned, and elderly people. And she became founder of the religious community, known now as the Sisters of Providence. In the beginning, they were known as daughters of charity, servants of the poor, but the people in the community kept referring to them as the Sisters of Providence. So they ended up changing their name um, in later years. So this was happening in Montreal in the 1840s, and the Sisters established many ministries there. And then in 1856, five pioneering Sisters of Providence arrived in Vancouver, Washington, in response to the bishop's request of the Northwest Diocese. And they began establishing schools, hospitals, and orphanages throughout the Northwest. The Sisters of Providence have dedicated their works. This is actually in their Articles of Incorporation, which were written in 1859. So the Sisters arrived in 1856. In 1859, hurt, had, they had their works incorporated. And in that document, the Sisters say they dedicated their works to the relief of suffering humanity, in the care of orphans, invalids, sick and poor, and in the education of youth. Under Mother Joseph's leadership, more than 30 ministries were established in her 47 years here in the Northwest, five of which are still part of the Legacy Providence Ministries. Their efforts basically laid the foundation for what was Providence Health and Services. The Congregation of the Sisters of St. Joseph of Orange was founded in the Puy, France in 1650 by Father Jean-Pierre Maday. At that time in history, France was suffering from the devastating consequences of war, The aftermath left an overwhelming number of people in misery due to disease and homelessness. Many were widowed or orphaned and without the social structures in place to meet the great need. The sisters responded by reaching out to their dear neighbors with compassionate help and committed themselves to serve their neighbors without distinction, especially the poor and vulnerable. Some of the sisters of St. Joseph were lace makers, which they did to support themselves and taught the craft to women in the community. Lace has become a symbol of the sisters' relationships, with two related patterns emerging, the pattern of responding to needs and the pattern of bringing people together in unity. The Sisters of St. Joseph encouraged, "Quote: God invites us to be present in the here and now, and as we are attentive to the movement, we also step faithfully into an unknown future. And sharing God's unconditional love and fidelity, we dedicate ourselves in all of our works to creative collaboration with others as we seek to tear down walls that divide and build bridges that unite. We talk about a commitment that is so needed today. The Sisters of Providence shared their hopes and aspirations as they transitioned um, their ministries to a new structure in 2009. There are five different themes in that document. And um, in one of the themes, they share these words. We have no fixed blueprint for how to express the role and responsibilities of Providence Ministries, other than by reading the signs of the time, trusting in Providence, and embracing our call to follow Christ. You will be challenged as well to respond to those who call out for our care, and the hard choices that will be there when our resources are constrained. However, as St. Vincent de Paul commended to us, love is invented to infinity. Compelled by God's providential love, you will be invited to do more than you ever believed possible because of God's goodness and love of all. So as you can see, we have some amazing models of what it means to serve and to serve with love.
0: Thank you, Karen. Uh, That was beautiful, and I so appreciate you sharing uh, these thoughts with us because we truly are. I heard this phrase this morning uh, that we are standing on the shoulders of some great, great women, uh, the founders, and I I think it's so important to remember in these times of challenge because it gives us hope and strength and endurance uh, to continue on this marathon as we move into phase two of our recovery from COVID and also to address and be called to action perhaps for the injustices that we see in our world and want to change and to make a difference.
2: You know as I pause and think about where we are as a a people there is such inspiration in the stories Karen shared about our sisters and the recognition that this really is a marathon In that beautiful poem about the future is not our own and how each of us responds in our own time with our own gifts in our own way to try to make the world a better place. You just have to recognize inside this moment how powerful it is and what an opportunity there is for us to think about. How we rebuild our society in a way that is more just and kind and caring, where life can be truly available for all. It strikes me as we think about this marathon, how this sort of phase one has really been a a great cause for many people. And people's experiences have been very different. Some have sheltered in and have been in solitude, reflecting on what's important in their life. And others, our caregivers, have been out in the field caring for people, responding to their health needs. And some are really exhausted in our care homes, trying to take care of patients who have COVID and those that don't. As we listen into the nation and pause and recognize that 118,000 lives that have been lost through this pandemic, a virus that causes us to lose our breath and how we've been fighting so diligently over this last four months to try to ensure there's enough PPE and ventilators to be able to help people live. We all experienced a horrifying moment as we watched the life of a Black man being stamped out, the loss of his breath at a time when we were all so vulnerable it really strikes a chord at a deeper level and hopefully we can listen into that as we think about how to respond for me inspired me in a way that went beyond just the normal reaction to healthcare but really thinking about how do we preserve breath for everyone and so um, this little poem sort of spoke out of my heart and i hope that maybe it will resonate with you as we think about where we are in this particular inflection moment in our society. Breath, practiced for centering by those who seek presence, often taken for granted, remembered only when anxiety stifles it, busyness suppresses it, fear destroys it, or joy releases it. Life depends on it. Too often we hold it. We forget our need for it. I can't breathe, he said, and it stopped. For him and for us in our horror, let this breath become the one that finally says, every breath is a shared breath. Our breath is not for us alone. May we not breathe freely until all can freely breathe. Our breath is the essence of our life. And our sisters understood this as they went out into the communities at times of challenge And it's now our time. We have caregivers responding all across our communities to bring breath and life and health and hope to others. I think the reflections we've had cause us to pause and think seriously about how can we listen to our black brothers and sisters? How can we understand the racial injustices that have led us to this place? And how can we respond in new ways that build upon our democracy in a way that truly allows everyone to be united and healthy and happy in the world that we live in.
0: That's beautifully said, Roseanne, and you know, the systemic issues that underlie all of this turmoil, um, so often we respond with surface uh, solutions and not really getting at the deeper systemic problems that exist, and so it's really just a Band-Aid effect. But I really have hope that this is a time when we really will make a change and really look at the deep-rooted issues that are happening in our world.
2: And I guess there is a place in this that I have to say there is truly a place for renewal. And as I listen to our caregivers beginning to think about this phase two, um, there's a level of needing to restore their own health, to feed their souls, to support them as they recover from their heroic activities that they have put in place in order to flatten the curve and to allow um, individuals to feel supported in whatever healthcare needs they have. And so there is a place that people do need to be recognized and celebrated and affirmed for all of their responses and to feed themselves and sleep and rest and um, be ready again as our sisters were through their own centering and their own sense of purpose and their own call to action. And maybe there's an opportunity in that to really bless them in this point um, along the journey to pause in phase one and to thank them and to celebrate and to restore our unity together as a team so that we can be strong in entering into phase two.
0: Yes, and I think it's so important that we continue to journey with our caregivers. And so on this mission marathon, the three of us will be visiting you again along the way and uh, sharing thoughts and reflections that we
1: hope will be meaningful for you. So, I would say that many of us who are not in the direct care, in a direct care role, have been humbled by the inspiring love and compassion and dedication to excellence um, in serving our patients, our participants, our residents during this extremely challenging time. And even for those of us who are in support roles, Really striving to be the best we can be to support our caregivers who are in the direct care ministry. It truly is awe inspiring. And it reminds me um, of the light that we are called to be. And so I'd like to close with this reflection that's entitled, Blessed Are You. And it speaks to the light who each one of you is all the time, but especially during times uh, such as we are experiencing, times of such challenge, and change in our world. We are grateful. So blessed are you who bear the light in unbearable time, who testify to its endurance amid the unendurable, who bear witness to its persistence when everything seems in shadow and grief. Blessed are you in whom the light lives, in whom the brightness blazes, your heart a chapel, an altar wherein the deepest light can be seen, a fire that shines forth in you, an unaccountable faith, and stubborn hope, and love that illumines every broken thing is mine. Amen.
0: Amen. Well, thank you so much, my dear colleagues and esteemed friends, and blessings to all of you. Take care everyone, bye.